This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a good morning. It's the sous chef of the Garden Show, Frank Proctor here. And uh, Charlie, you know, we have a special show today. We're going to dedicate every it. Every day is, is special. Yeah, well, I mean, every course. show is special. But this, is, this show I'm gonna, we're going to dedicate, mm-hmm. I think, yes. to uh, our fabulous producer, little uh, Danny Ellison, little Danny. who today celebrates a big birthday. Do you want me to mention how old you are? Yeah, yeah he's 27. 27. 27. Happy birthday, And he's available, Dan. I think. So, you know, <laughs> use these phone lines for a garden question. Yeah. Or, or to wish birthday date, greetings. A little date yeah. for Danny. Uh, we'll try and get him fixed up. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. Let's go with the phone numbers, Charlie. Uh, okay. You're thinking Valentine's Day, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's well, where sure. your head's going, I think. Yeah, he could probably wangle Cupid. some tickets to Paul Anka. You know, he's coming to the Sony Center. It's an AM740 presentation. There you go. That's Sure. Yeah, get in touch with the right guy here. Okay. Uh, numbers are in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, hey, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. All righty. The mantra? The mantra. Oh, yes, the mantra. Uh, call early, call often, one question per call. Okay? Well there. done. Absolutely. Now, you have some uh, emails and stuff to deal with. Uh, Before I get to some of my emails that oh, I have you to have deal with, let me give you a couple yes. of announcements. Is uh, that course. all right with you? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Really? <laughs> Frank and I have an ongoing battle about whose show this is and who runs the, the schedule. And you can tell I'm, it's a constant battle on my part. Uh, okay. Okay. Couple of important things to remember. Now, for those of you, and we get calls sometimes from people who say, you know, I love gardening and I want to know more. I want yeah. to learn more. How can I, how can I get better at gardening? Mm-hmm. Besides, obviously, listening to this show every week, where of course. everybody learns, uh, including myself and certainly you. You've learned a lot. Oh, I'm a nematode freak. <laughs> You're the king of the nematodes. Um, the uh, master gardeners are a group across Ontario, international group, mm-hmm. but the Ontario master gardeners uh, are quite an active group and there's different um, you know pods if you will different groups of master gardeners now the Lake Simcoe South master gardeners which is the group I'm a member of they are having what's called a technical update <clears throat> because master gardeners have to stay uh, sharp and on the ball and uh, in tune with it, what's new and different in to the retain that uh, license to, or, yes exactly uh, to maintain the status yeah. exactly they must do up, uh, educational oh, updates okay. which is something you know we talk about doctors should be doing mm-hmm. and teachers you know it goes yeah. without saying you want to be the best at what you do you have to stay updated so the master gardeners have a technical update this fr- sorry this February the 9th 
It is open to the public. You do not have to be a master gardener to attend. And it's an interesting thing, way to kind of find out what master gardeners do. Wow, yeah. It's a full day. It includes lunch, and it does cost $45 to be but there for the entire day. Oh, you, and it's happening in Aurora at the Trinity Anglican Church, 79 Victoria Street. So the whole day is, is devoted to plant, eat, grow. So, of course, it's all about vegetables. Mm. And uh, it's a learning event, obviously. Uh, $45 includes lunch. There's three speakers. Marjorie Mason will be speaking on vegetables all over the map. Rooftops, windowsills, potagers. So different, obviously, locations and ways to grow vegetables effectively, regardless of the circumstances you're gardening in. Uh, another speaker is Stephen Biggs. Now, you might remember Stephen Biggs. He was on the show here. Um, he was speaking about his most recent book called The Fig Pig. Yes, right. I remember that chap. That chap, <laughs> yep, Stephen Biggs. So he knows a lot about edibles, mm-hmm. uh, including figs. So he will be uh, part of that event, as well as a gentleman named Damien, and I don't think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Ajodha. Damien is working to complete his master's in environmental science at York. But most recently, he was appointed as a Metcalf sustainability intern to assist with the coordination and the development of the eight-acre Black Creek Community Farm. Oh, wow. Good which job. is, yeah, destined to become Toronto's largest urban food production site and community food security learning center. So he's working there. So again, he's you know a student and studying and growing and obviously out in the... Uh, you know, out in the practical world we'll as well. tons of interesting stuff to talk about. Exactly. Sure. So like yeah. I said, full day, 9 to 3 to register. Cindy is your contact. You can email her at LSS, which stands for Lake Simcoe South. So LSS Master Gardeners, plural, at gmail.com. Or you can phone Cindy at 905 uh, so I thought, you know, that's that's, that's pretty a, that's interesting. That's an interesting day line, line up for uh, some folks who are even just, you know, in, interested generally that's in gardening. Right. And and this, like like I say, there's a theme mm. to the day, and it's all about edibles. So yeah. if you're interested in learning more about growing edibles, here's a one day opportunity to learn a whole lot in February, just in time for yeah. the next season. You got it. And speaking of you know, sort of learning events, for the first time, I have a lot going on with the Master Gardeners right now because the there is a Canadian Master Gardener conference. Coming up, and this is the first time ever that uh, there's going to be a, a Master Gardener conference where all the Canadian Master Gardeners, of course, are being invited to attend. And I'm partially bringing this up again for people that are interested in learning more about mm-hmm. the Master Gardeners. Great opportunity. This is happening as a weekend conference up at Deerhurst in Huntsville. Can't go wrong well, hanging out there for the weekend. No, the um, the actual little drinky poo, yeah, <laughs> little, little, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, swimmy poo, or <laughs> <laughs> a grand awesome. time ad by all I could in in yeah. April though, of course. So not a lot of you know okay. water skiing and that going on yet. But April fifth to seventh, it's a full weekend. Engaging speakers, all kinds of topics, um, trees, phenology. You know what phenology is, right? It's the bumps in your head, isn't it? No, 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 that. <laughs> but that's close. It's phenology is is what nature does at the same what how what we learn from what nature is doing at any given time. So um, phenology, okay. yeah, it's like when certain flowers emerge or we see certain insects, then we know other things are going to happen. Oh, like so oh, yeah, phenology okay. is yeah, almost the cycle of life in, in that's a way. Right. You know, when the yeah. bushy caterpillars are bushier than ever, then we know mm-hmm. it's going to be a cold winter or whatever. There's all these sort of wild and wacky uh, uh, connections when you start talking phenology. Uh, lots about bugs, good and bad. 
uh, turf, daunting deer, um, phytoremediation, just to mention a few. So bottom line, um, lovely event. Again, more, lots more information on this if you're at all interested in Master Gardener Conference at Deerhurst, April 5th to 7th. Just go to www.magoi, so M-G-O-I, mm-hmm. Master Gardeners of Ontario, Incorporated, so Magoi. National Conference. That's all one word. M-G-O-I, nationalconference.ca. Very good, Charlie. Hey, thank you, sir. A couple of really interesting things there. I know. And that's so unusual for you. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, gee, she's hitting me. Uh, it's uh, 9.15 on the old Schnauzola, and we're running a little late here. So, really? Yeah, because there's somebody just dying to talk to you and ask a question or offer advice. Who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, we'll get to that in just moments here on The Garden Show from AM740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, (coughs) then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Frank Proctor here, the sous chef, giving you those numbers one more time. We've got a couple of free lines here, uh, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And let's welcome Anne to the line, Charlie, see what's going on in Tirana today. Good oh, morning, Anne. Good morning, how are you? Fine, thanks. How morning. about you? I've got, a, I think, a pretty simple question. Um, I've got a lot of ivy ground cover in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And I love it, but some of it is starting to grow up the trunks of my evergreen trees. Mm-hmm. My question is, is ivy, when it wants to start co- covering up the trunks, mm-hmm. is it harmful to the tree? Yes. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, I wouldn't let it grow up the trees. It, I, it's not like it's going to suck juices out of the tree necessarily, but it's going to interfere with the penetration of air and sunlight to the evergreens, which is going to ultimately cause a bunch of death of that, the lower foliage. And so if you like the way the evergreens look now, I wouldn't let the ivies grow up. Okay, thank you. That's what I wanted to yeah. know. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll get rid of it in the springtime. Yeah, exactly. Just peel it down and just stay on top of it because it, it doesn't grow that fast that it you know, kind of happens overnight, but you can certainly see when it starts shooting up and just control it. Okay, great. Okay, thank thanks you. for your call. Thank Bye-bye. you, Anne, for joining the show here, The Garden Show, from AM740 Zoomer Radio as we zoom out to Mississauga and say hi to John. Good morning, John. Morning. Um, I don't know whether I did something wrong or whether I'm doing something wrong. When I uh, picked my garlic in uh, July, August there, mm-hmm. um, I put some of them in, uh, in uh, my cantina, mm-hmm. in my cool room, Mm-hmm. And uh, some of it is turning brown and sort of getting rotten. Is, uh, is did I do something wrong, or where can I, you know? Uh, okay, so the best when you once you've uh, dug the garlic and you've dried it down, because remember garlic has a fair amount of moisture in it, so it has to be dried out for at least you know a week or two or even three. Uh-huh. Then what we'll typically do is hang it. Uh, again, just to maintain that air circulation. Uh, if you have a cool room, that's fine. But I wouldn't ever put it in a closed container. It always needs to be in something where there's still some air circulation. Uh, and you know how people will braid the garlic and, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. hang it from the ceiling. And, they, and it does require dark, but you don't want it in too cool of a spot because it'll start to grow if it's too cool. Mm-hmm. So you never put it in the fridge. Well, it looks like it's, it's getting rotten, Charlie. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I, I did it before. Like, I mm-hmm. mean... Um, Sometimes I put it in, in the basement and mm. not in, not in the cantina. Like mm. I don't know whether the cantina is too cold or, or, or 
or whatever, you know. It, well, it might be too moist. Sometimes we have pretty high humidity in some of the cantinas. Do you have any idea how, how is it really humid in there? Is it? Mm, to be honest with you, no. 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 Uh, if it's turning black and, it, you know, re- you recognize there's some rot happening, uh, then uh, I immediately would suspect that there was too much moisture in the garlic when it went into an area with insufficient air mm. circulation. So I should have, well, I should have dried it first. That's right. I've dried then, it down um, for longer. Because if you leave it in the garage, it's mm-hmm. too cold, right? Yeah, most people's garages are too cold. It'll yeah. just start to grow. It'll, you know, it'll either freeze and mu- turn to mush, or it'll be, see, even refrigerator temperatures are too cool. You mm-hmm. actually want to keep it around, you know, sort of. Yeah, keep it around and, and, and keep it around it, sort of. That's right. And make sure that, exactly, air circulation. So air circulation. paper bag, if it has to be in any kind of a container, otherwise, yeah, yeah. Uh, open or, to the or, air. Uh, if I put it in a brown bag, is that okay or no? Yeah, it should be. A brown bag is fine. Just because, again, there's that reasonable air circulation. But with the stuff that's looking a bit dark and, and potentially rotting, don't bag that. It'll just compost that. It's not going not gonna okay, to stop. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Thank Bye-bye. you, John, for uh, calling in from Mississauga. A whole bunch of other folks we'll be talking to in moments here. Be, be patient, folks, and uh, we'll be to you as soon as we can. But we do have a little, well, I, I have a little <laughs> bit of exercising to do. It's oh, always a little you? visual cue I have to give Charlie. <laughs> so I'm going to stand yes, up because and walk over. I've cleared the studio. Yeah, I noticed here, that. Yeah. You brought run. in your stationary bike. Oh, now he's, he's doing calisthenics. What a nutcase. Why is Frank doing that? Okay, Frank is doing that because he is nuts <laughs> and he is a boomer who wants to main f- maintain yeah. freedom to do his favorite activities like running on the spot in the uh, studio now, yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> reduced aches and stiffness. So how do you feel? No, I feel great. There you go. <clears throat> and that's because... <clears throat> Sierra Sil. You take your daily dose of Sierra Sil, which is a completely natural mineral supplement designed to help with any aches and stiffness yeah. in joints. And both of us take it, and both of us have very good success. We suggest if you would like to try it, you can learn more from their website, sierrasil.ca. You can call them and ask them questions over the phone, one eight seven seven joint 14 Real nice people to deal with, too. Yeah. Yep. Or you can pick it up at your local health food store. And, of course, again, you can ask questions in the health food store of the staff. Uh, I know the people at Ambrosia Natural Foods on Young Street, both in Newmarket and Thornhill, are very well versed in exactly how Sierra Sil can help you. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, we're just having a discussion. Obviously, I was on the air I saying think so. You were in my I head it's, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's Rita from Richmond Hill yes. who is next on the line. I was just trying to discern which caller we're going to go to. And Rita, you won the draw. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Good morning. This sounds like a silly question. Uh, but I doubt it. You know, with the warm weather we've had. Mm-hmm. I can't believe all my flowers at the side, the little white bells, the crocuses, they're all coming up. Can I put plastic bottles, jars? Is there anything with this cold weather? They're about three, some of them more than three inches high. Wow, and you're just little green stems. Yeah. No flowers. 
No flowers, no, not yet. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. And we always worry when, when we, and you're absolutely right, crazy warm weather, rain, mm-hmm. a not frozen soil, so the little bulbs are starting to grow. And obviously that's a very warm spot at your house. The sun gets there and yeah. it's protected. The one thing, if you're really worried and you have any access, if you have, say, a bag of potting soil in the house or uh, some peat moss or something on hand that's not oh. frozen. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I still got even a bag of uh, my topsoil that I could bring in and thaw it out. That's right, and then what? Yeah. That's right, and then what you could do is just sort of gently, um, once it's thawed out, just sprinkle that around and on top of where those little crocuses are starting to come up. Yeah, all that will do is slow down that process. But remember, those, even if those little leaves get frostbitten off, it's okay. You know, okay. they're going to grow again in the future. But you're right. This is a very we're having a wacky winter again. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I was loving that snow when I had it because I was putting it on my roses and everybody was happy and then it all melted. And I phoned you last year, was it, about my roses sharing, trying to grow up north at the cottage? Mm-hmm. Uh, I put two little plants in. Well, this summer they went crazy. Oh, good. So oh, I'm just great. praying that this winter that they do survive, but they did grow good. Good. Well, that's Thanks. it. I mean, it's, you know, we, I'm not so sure what it's doing up north. It certainly has been just wacky at my house in Richmond Hill, obviously not far from where you are, with the ups and downs. So, um, yeah, and like I say, without snow on the ground, and we're looking at some pretty extreme cold mm-hmm. and high winds, and that's what really hurts the, the garden plants. Thank they, you so much. They want to be asleep, but they can't be because they've had all that rain and warm weather. So a little bit of soil. Uh, I know I'll be going out. I've got some mulch uh, bags of, you know, bark mulch. I'm going to be putting some of that around my roses since there is no uh, snow for yeah, covering. Yeah, up north and nothing here. Insulation. Yep. Okay. All thank right. you so, so much. You're very thank welcome. You guys. Keep up the good work. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for enjoying uh, the show and thanks for joining the show. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. On our monitor here, name comes up, Shirley, and also uh, the location, Victoria Harbor. Now, both Charlie and I said, Victoria Harbor? No, wait a minute. And I said, uh, initially, um, Simcoe. Gee, Lake Simcoe. No, I said, no, I think it's up in the Kawarthas. So let's find out where Shirley is calling from. Where exactly is Victoria Harbor located, Shirley? It's up near Midland. Ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On Georgian Bay. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, I'll bet you there are a dozen Victoria off. Harbors around. But <laughs> What's your question? Well, I had an amaryllis given to me for Christmas, but I didn't get it till last week. Okay. And when we opened the box up, it mm. already bloomed. Aww. And it was just a small little shoot, and the flowers died. So we planted it the way they told us, right. but it didn't say to put any holes in the bottom of the the, the uh, pot. Should I do that? Yeah, definitely. So it came with a pot with no holes? Yeah. Oh, silly. So, yes, put some, some, you know, get out a hammer and a nail or whatever and bang some, uh, it's a plastic pot, I imagine, uh, and just get some holes or, or drill, whatever, drill some holes. Do that. And you know what may happen? So the one flower stem came up in the box and flowered and finished. Yeah, should it, I cut that off? Uh, well, you certainly the petals can be removed, but leave the, the stem. I imagine it's all kind of t- corkscrewed and twisted, etc. Putting that pot into a sunny location, that stem would have come out of the box probably quite pale, okay. but it'll green up very quickly in the window. It will, um, which is good. You want to do that. You may find another flower stem will come. 
Yeah, I've got a one looks like a little shoot coming up on the side of it now. Yeah, so you, it could be leaves that are going to start to come, but you also could get another flower. But main thing is lots of sun, water thoroughly, obviously, once planted, as you did. Get some holes in that pot, and uh, and then just water as required. Just keep it in the sun and see what happens. Things and, might and happen. Cut, and just take the flower off? Yeah, take the, the shriveled up petals away, but leave the stem. It was funny. It was, I felt sorry for it because it had no dirt or nothing. It was just laying there. I know. It happens. The amaryllis, well, any bulb, it's all in there, right? All that energy, is stored energy is ready to go. And so that's why they'll do that sometimes. They'll bloom and flower and do They live their whole life cycle with not actually ever being planted. Wow. And, and the one we had last year, all we got now is big leaves, but... That's yeah. it. No flower. Yeah. Well, it is a bit. I find it a bit challenging to get them to flower again, <laughs> frankly. But, but they do, they do make a nice house plant. It was a queen something flower, beautiful pink oh, one. Oh yeah. Yeah, there There's it was. Some, some great amaryllis now. It used to be they were all just red, and then they got a few pinks and whites, and now it's like every almost every color of the rainbow. There's just a phenomenal varieties out there. Right. So with, with the dirt that we just put it around the bulb a little bit. Yeah, there would. It came like as a kit, I imagine. Yeah. So there was a pot, and there was a little bit of soil, and the bulb. So and the, the disc, we had to open the disc up and uh, wet it for twenty minutes. Oh, okay. So that's like a yep. And so then that kind of blew up when you know expanded once you wet it, and right. that's your soil. And it's just the main thing is use all the soil that they provided and make sure that the bulb is sticking up out of the soil by at least half the top is sticking out of the soil. <laughs> Okay. I'll let you know later on what happens. <laughs> For sure. Let us know. Hey, and Shirley. We, uh, just we enjoy your show very much, you and Frank. Thank oh, thank you. you. Just before you leave uh, yeah. at Victoria Harbor there, uh, you've got to have a pretty good view of Georgian Bay. I do, but right on Georgian oh, Bay. Oh, how beautiful. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the ice condition like up there right not now? Good. Not good. No. no so, no. no. not deep enough to do anything with. Right. That's a good point and to pass along. Don't right. be... And we're looking right across that Penetang. Oh, oh okay. really? And yeah. The water is way up. Wow. Okay. It's really low. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning oh, that wow. because uh, I think of people, you know, these guys go out there ice, ice fishing uh, on like a, an inch of ice. <laughs> what are you nuts? I know. Wow. It's... I wouldn't take a chance. Nope. Good for you. Thank you. Thanks oh, thank for the report. Thanks, Shirley. There's our Midland, our Victoria then, Harbor reporter calling right. in our weather, <laughs> weather prognosticator. And uh, ice conditions, et cetera. Et so that's cetera. a good point. Stay off the ice. Yeah. And you know what? You can't even really do much skidooing, I don't think. There's oh, not enough snow. Well, no. When rocks. Some idiots still try and do that. You know, cross open water with Ooh, this. Yeah. Oh, nuts. Uh, <clears throat> North York. Robert is there, and he's calling in to talk to Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. Hi, Robert. Good morning. Morning. I have a... 40, excuse me, a 30-foot blue spruce out front that's been there for over 40 years. And over time, what's happened is sections of it have died. Uh, there's lush green on some sections, and then there's just even half of it or even a section of it going up would be dead, and the top of it would be fully green. And I was wondering, is this something that can be fixed, or is it ready just to... At the point to cut the tree down. Is it really kind of unsightly with all these holes and, and dead yeah, bits? I didn't really notice it until a friend of mine pointed it out, and I looked at it from the side of the street, and it's not. Was this a disease that the tree cut? Yes, it could have been. <clears throat> and and like, a, see, the thing is, we've had some stressful summers, and of course, the big old trees sometimes really do suffer when we have those hot, dry, you know, droughty type summers, and then they become uh, stressed, and then they're susceptible to diseases. 
<clears throat> blue spruce does sometimes get uh, um it's actually a fungal disease that starts, the little needles will get this kind of a pinky tone to them. And the only way around, well, mind you, good point. You used to be able to spray for that fungal disease. Now, you, if you were spraying, I don't even know what you'd spray with. Because sulfur is what we use in the garden to control fungal diseases. And yet blue spruces don't like sulfur. So we don't typically spray um, anything on those. What I would do with a big old tree like that is I would get a hold of a certified arborist to come onto the property and diagnose what to do, what's the next best best step, whether it's removal or there is some kind of uh, treatment that can be provided by the arborist to control what has been causing the problem. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling in, Robert, and being part of the show here. Well, because remember, you know, big trees add huge, can add huge value to your home. You know, mature trees are very expensive to replace. Oh, yeah. And so you suddenly take out a 30-foot spruce, that's going to have a big impact. Now, it might be a good big impact. It might be bad big impact. It, you know, depends the on... The judgment call, I guess, though, isn't well, it? Well, that's you know? right. And it depends, you know, where it's located in the yeah. property and whether it was... Ever. Some So often, blue spruces are not placed properly when they're little tiny trees. And then you they're know, too close to the house sort of thing. Or the or whatever, sidewalk yeah. or the driveway, yeah. and then they need to be all sheared and trimmed, and then they look dumb, and they're unhappy, and that's not good either. So, yeah. you know, we talk about the, the puppies that turn into the... The Great Danes, right? That's <laughs> yeah. blue spruces are a classic for that. Good, that's a good expression there. Yeah, you got that. Get that visual. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I'm getting the visual here. Let's see. It's Port Perry. I'm zeroing uh, in on uh, in my little map in my mind. Helen is there. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Uh, thanks a lot for taking my call. Uh, about two years ago, we bought a small ivory silk lilac tree, and it was a beautiful tree. It was so nice and willowy, and it had nice leaves. And then we went and planted it, and uh, last year, it was the first summer we had it, it had uh, holes in the leaves, like it was all sort of chewed up. We got some insect soap, and we sprayed it, but it didn't seem to do much good, and it, it didn't seem to look very nice last summer at all. And another thing I was just wondering, like when we bought the tree, it had a nice willowy look, but we did trim it down, and uh, you know, it took a very odd shape, and I'm just wondering, did the tree suffer, or is it is it going to retain its uh, a nice willowy look uh, in the future, or what's going to happen with it? So, now, you referred to this as an ivory silk lilac? Yes. So, for sure, that's what it is? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, lovely tree. Oh, it um, is. So when you say willowy look, you mean it, it just had like sort of long stems yeah, it was that were long and you know nice leaves, and it didn't have that. And then when we trimmed it, it had that got that short squatty type of look, you know, like you see on these little ornamental trees. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if something happened to it when we trimmed it, and it caused all these leaves to kind of um, you know uh, get all chewed up, and like uh, we we babied it all last summer, and we watered it properly, and mm-hmm. it went Good. so dry, and we got this insect soap, and we spread it with that and it didn't seem to do any good I'm just wondering what's going to happen with it this year if uh, there's anything we can do right before it starts uh, blooming it's not dead yet. no no that's a good question actually you know can you prevent problems and you know good time to ask actually uh, okay so ivory silk lilac actually is a form of lilac but it is a tree it's a it's not a, it doesn't become a huge tree but still it wants to be 30 feet tall and 25 feet wide uh-huh. so you know what well, we, it's pretty good size. a medium sized tree well it's not like a sugar maple that yeah. wants to be sort of 60 feet tall and 60 mm-hmm. feet yeah. wide so it's not as big of a tree ultimately 
what's cool about them, of course, the ivory silk lilac is that it does bloom, but it doesn't bloom back in May and June when the traditional lilacs bloom. It blooms more like early July. Yeah. Fragrant white flowers and very nice bark. It's a gray bark with little white lenticels on it, little horizontal lines. So it's a very ornamental tree in all seasons. Yeah. Your question is a good one, though, that sometimes when we think we're doing a good thing, we're trimming a tree... We think we're doing the right thing, but actually we end up stressing it, you know, by through no sort of real fault of our own. Yeah. Then, as I was saying to the earlier caller about the blue spruce, then all of a sudden there's a susceptibility thing that sets up. The plant is suddenly open to uh, infestation by insects or diseases. Yeah. Now, when you see holes in the leaves, okay, something was chewing. Yeah. Perhaps, but springs you have to look to see. Yeah, is, we did look, and I didn't see anything right. there. I looked very carefully. And Good. Didn't. Good, and that's exactly right. Look carefully. Look for what might be doing the damage. Remember that soap works on existing insects. Uh-huh. By spraying soap onto the insect, you cause the little insect to suffocate because they can't breathe when yeah. their bodies are covered in soap. Whereas it doesn't typically hurt the plant. So when you don't see any insects causing the damage, I wouldn't just automatically go out there with the soap spray, particularly on a hot sunny day, because yeah. in the hot sun, the soap is very stressful on the plants. Uh-huh. So again, you want to do that very early or late in the day when there's, there's not that incredible heat going yeah. on. Okay. So in preparation for trying to have a better coming up season, everybody should have on their shelf right now something called a dormant kit. And a dormant kit is a kit with two, it's a little box with two bottles in it. Dormant spray is horticultural oil and lime sulfur. So two different bottles. The oil is one. The other bottle is lime sulfur. Following the instructions, of course, we're not anywhere near using the dormant spray yet. It's usually March, depending on the weather, might even be April, that we follow the instructions and spray. And you can spray anything except your evergreens with this spray to prevent overwintering insects hatching out and causing problems for you. So it's just a really good way to to right away eliminate a lot of disease problems and insect problems before they happen by using the dormant spray. And it's 100% organic. You know, it's been around forever. It works like a charm if you follow the instructions. So that would be my impulse. Get a hold of a dormant kit. Remember to fertilize all your garden plants in the spring. Um, water obviously as necessary so we water not often but deeply when we do water Uh and uh, for now I wouldn't do any trimming I would try and let that tree uh, achieve some of its natural shape Will it it achieve its natural shape back? It it should Uh it should depending you know we always do some selective pruning when we end up with branches that are crisscrossing or if we see dead wood you know you'll see in the spring some of of the tips might be dead Uh so you'll always clean up the dead you'll clean up anything that's rubbing or, or damaging the other uh, branches, and otherwise let it be. Let it let it do its growth thing for a year or two before you then jump into doing any more shaping. Yeah, okay then. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. I appreciate it very much. My okay, pleasure. have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank and you, you too. 938 here at AM 740, Zoomer Radio. Um, remember the comedian George Carlin? I do. Oh, fabulous mind, wonderful. Mm-hmm. He had one of these bits that he used to do, Wonderful Wayno <laughs> and the weather guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking of uh, Wonderful Wayno from Woodville. <laughs> Woodsville. <laughs> Woodsville, yes. Wayne, good morning. Oh, you, good morning. Oh, yeah, man. Like that. Frank's brain, where it goes, it's a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Frank from Lindsay. Oh, oh my you gosh. Do. Uh, anyway, uh, but orchids, uh, we have three, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not sure, uh, like, it looks like all the roots are. I guess that's what they are. They're coming yep. out over the top of the pot. Yep. 
and I, I was wondering what size of, of the pot should they be in. I've only right now, they're probably about in a six-inch pot, but it's only about, oh, maybe, well, six inches deep, say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be a bigger pot? No, or? probably not. No, never worry when you see orchid roots on the surface. Okay. It's very normal. It's Because exa- in, in the natural real world orchids don't grow in the ground orchids are not they, those roots they're they little seeds land in the branches and on you know in the crotches of trees in a little bit of leaf debris and they kind of just hold on and those roots you're seeing are what we call aerial roots and they actually take moisture from the air oh. uh so they're they actually need to be uncovered so don't worry about putting those orchids into bigger pots okay and how much water do you uh, like just keep it damp or do they have to dry a bit maybe let them dry a bit uh now do you let them dry right down you don't want to go too like you don't want to go to bone dry desert lake conditions no. but you do not want to keep them constantly moist so you've got to let that kind of fluctuate up and down in terms of the, the moisture yeah. levels yeah we have them in a sunroom so. mm-hmm. So, and of course, have you got them right in direct sunlight, or are they yes. they're away from the window? No, they're well, they're on the floor actually. Where the sunlight is okay. And yeah. so, in the summer, though, you make sure that they're not in too much. Like you take oh, them. Oh no, no, yeah. yeah. Just in the winter, you've got them in that brighter spot. Well, that's great. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. Couple of ways. I mean, one we've talked on the show about the idea of the ice cubes. Water your orchids with three ice cubes a week. Oh. Because that way, the, this water very slowly the ice melts and the water slowly percolates down. And of course, it's that's kind of what the orchids want. They don't want a big gush of water. They want sort of water being provided slowly but surely. But it's ice cubes, so they're cold. And I don't know if I was an orchid, I'd want to be watered with ice cubes. But yeah. it's kind of a <laughs> A simple way to, to do it, if that works for you. Oh, sure. I tend to use just tepid water, water that's been sitting out on my counter for a couple of days. Right. And um, I don't water my orchids often at all. Like, I remember maybe every 10 days or so to kind of splash a bit of water onto them. <laughs> I, I tend to underwater all my plants rather than overwater. Tough love <laughs> And you will have better success with all your host plants by underwatering rather than overwatering. All right, then. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for a lot, checking Wayne. in with us, Wayne. Uh, from Woodville, yeah, just Woodville. outside Lindsay. And there. one of you, exactly, mm-hmm. one of your fans from the Lindsay days. Well, now, isn't that nice of you to think that? Maybe he isn't. Maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe indeed, I owe him money. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when he said he remembers you yeah, from Lindsay, he's, he's he tracked me down. He, he didn't say he remembered you fondly, did he? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, it's 941. You know what's got to happen here. i got to do some action. I'm going to not run oh, in place. You are I'm, just... I'm going to just over this side of the studio, yeah. and I'm going to do knee bends. Oh, Frank, just don't table. hurt yourself. No, I won't. Okay. okay. Don't hit your head on that speaker. Oh, We're not in a really big studio. Oh, oh, I don't know how he does it. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Oh, yeah, look at him go. Boy, okay, now, now why is he doing that? <clears throat> well, Frank, <laughs> why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Because Frank wants to maintain activities that he is happy doing, like deep knee, knee bends. bends. Yeah. But he wants reduced aches and stiffness. And, of course, how do we achieve that? By taking a daily dose of Sierra Sil, a completely natural mineral supplement, which helps with just that, reducing aches and stiffness in joints. So whatever it is you want to do, and you may find that this Sierra Sil may help you, uh, check them on the web, sierrasil.ca. Give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick up Sierra Sil at many uh, health food stores. For example, uh, Noah's Natural Foods at Eglinton and Young, St. Clair and Young, and Bloor Street all carry Sierra Sil. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. 
Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And along for the fun and frivolity of The Garden Show, Frank Proctor, <laughs> your sous chef. Might be frivolous to you. Yeah. This is my hey. life. <laughs> There's no I'm, frivolity when it comes to gardening I, I want me. you to mentally, mentally now, if you can, if you can, picture a little map in your mind of the Niagara Peninsula. Yes. You know where St. Catharines yes. is. You know where Niagara and the Lake yes. is. Uh, Highway 55 kind of goes that you know, between the two. Why are and, we getting a geography well, lesson? Well, because there's a lovely little town called, and I think it's a town or a village, I don't know, Virgil, the host of, of the Virgil Stampede every year. <laughs> we've got Erica Who's online stampedes? right from Virgil right now. Wow. How about that? Hey, Erica, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Charlie and Frank, I have a question about winter sowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the information from the magazine The Gardener. Well, I'll tell you, I tried it, and the buttons keep falling off. I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> the wrong kind of... <laughs> oh, friend. I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, where you, where you plant your seeds in, in these opaque uh, jugs mm-hmm. and put them outside, even though it's freezing, mm-hmm. and then when the temperatures are are conducive for for um, the growth, mm. they're supposed to grow. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, am I barking up a tree <laughs> that, that doesn't work? Well, it depends. Uh, to my mind, it would depend what seeds we're talking about. I mean, you wouldn't do that with geranium seeds, for example, because they wouldn't survive the cold. But uh, what is it, what, turf seeds, or what are we talking? No, I'm thinking of um, tomato, mm. kale. Maybe chives, some zinnias, hmm. starting beans early. These are some of the suggestions in the book. And that was from the Gardener magazine, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which is, I think, also um, it's Ontario, like Ontario Gardener. No, it's called the Gardener. <clears throat> it's called the Gardener. Oh. Winter, twenty twelve. Okay. Seeding in jugs, opaque jugs. Yeah, you take. <clears throat> excuse me. You take these milk jugs and cut vent holes in them and drainage holes and um, cut them down just below the handle um, and leave a little hinge for the handle to, you know, so you can open it up. Right. And you put about three or four inches of soil into it, very rich soil, and put your seedlings in there, tape it up with duct tape, and then set them outside. Mm. And um, yeah, so I'm like living little in an apartment rooms. now, and so, but I have access to a little community garden, and so right. I'm just wanting to try it. I wondered whether you had had any experience with that, or no. But you know what? Le- leave this with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna check on this and report back probably next week, right off the top, right at shortly after nine o'clock when we start the show. Okay. It's a, it's the idea of a cold frame, and of course, I have had experience with you know keeping things alive mm-hmm. in the winter in a cold frame, and it can work quite well. So it's that's I think what they're getting at. But let's just do a little bit more research because it's gonna have a lot to do with sun coming in and mm-hmm. how that affects yeah. the temperature inside the jug as well. Yeah, I think so, the lady that has, the gardener that has uh, defined this is Trudy Davidoff. Oh, yeah. 
I know, I know, Trudy. Yep. Okay. okay. And so I've I've gone online. Mm-hmm. I I can't find anything. You know, like let's say when at what point can I can I put my jugs out? Right. And you say you're in an apartment. Yeah, in a, an apartment. Mm-hmm. And what direction does the the apartment face? West. Okay. But I would put them out in the in the garden. Oh, okay, so you could do that. Yeah. Right, in the community garden. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so good points. All right, facing west. I'm just writing these notes. I am going to report back specifically what I think you should do uh, right off the top next week. Okay. Thank you so much for your call. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Take care, Erica. Thank you for joining the Garden Show here at AM740. And uh, did you have some emails that you wanted to get to uh, because... I must admit, I, I rushed along to the phone lines, and I know you're dying to get to an email, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to make up. <laughs> you're always always trying to make up because you're always trying to control the show. It's okay. I do have a couple of email, and the most recent one I'm going to start on the top. Most recent was from, is from Margaret in Markham, and she said, and this is a very common problem. I'm having a, lo- a, a fighting a losing battle with white fly on my hibiscus. This is the problem with bringing our tropical plants from outside, inside, or even you know just having some of these tropicals inside in the wintertime. So Margaret says before bringing it indoors, she sprayed it liberally with safer soap and has continued doing this indoors, but it's not helping the problem. She would appreciate any advice that can be offered, and she enjoys the show. Uh, Margaret, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's where do they come from? Like, how is it possible when we do everything to, you know, have completely clean plants and clean soil and clean everything, bring them in the house, they're perking along beautifully through October, November, December, and then suddenly in January, the emergence of spider mites or white fly or something that was like, where did it come from? It does have to do with our hot, dry furnaces and uh, our indoor conditions. They're just not really tropical. If we were in Jamaica or Hawaii right now where the hibiscus grow into huge trees and hedges, it's they do that because of that high level of humidity that we just don't have in our homes. Um, that's why we talk about misting and we talk about pebble trays and things to, to raise the humidity to help keep these plants as help, healthy, healthy and happy as we can. In the meantime, though, when you have things like whitefly emerge, you have a couple of options. One I would suggest, Margaret, is do some pruning. If you look on the back of the leaves of the hibiscus, you're going to see little, almost opaque, uh, head of a pin-sized eggs. And those are what the little white fly eggs. I would trim with a nice, clean pair of pruners the tips as necessary off the hibiscus if they show any evidence of any eggs right away. Meanwhile, the adults are going to be flying around. That's what they do. You disturb the plant and little white flies fly around. Now, remember those sticky sticks that we recommended for fungus fungus gnats. Sticky sticks are made by the same safers people that make safer soap. You can use sticky sticks to try and trap and trap some of those adult white flies that are flying around. Pruning out the eggs and carrying on with your soap as required, you will slowly but surely eliminate the problem. But will it be eliminated forever and ever? We can only cross our fingers on that because, like I say, I just don't know where they come from. Whether these eggs are hidden in the bark of the trees, like where, you know, they emerge suddenly when it gets hot and it gets dry inside our home. So raise that humidity and, again, you'll lower the incidence of horrible insects on some of your indoor plants. Another stroke of genius from the mind of Charlie Dubbin right here at AM 740. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Hey, we got to take a break here. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, think we, we better do. because yes. I'm laughing a little yeah. too hard okay. right now. It's nine fifty one. We'll be back and uh, have a chat with Anna from North York in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's say hi to Anna and welcome her onto the show, the Garden Show here at AM 740 from North York. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Great. That's good. Um, I'm calling about um, a tree, a fruit tree that we have in our backyard. It's Mm -hmm. uh, quite old um, pear tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a Bartlett pear, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been like three years that we are not getting any fruit. Um, And we prune it, of course, um, cutting all the uh, tall, straight branches and leaving the the bottom branches that are supposed to be the fruit-bearing ones, mm-hmm. right? When do you do that pruning? Um, we did the pruning in, in the fall. Okay. Okay. Um, we will, in the, in the springtime, just snip off any bat, anything that we kind of missed. Mm-hmm. But what we're getting is it grows fantastically. Mm-hmm. We get tons of fruit, but it loses the fruit. It will grow, um, and then they will dry and fall and the leaves um have it looks like it's got some sort of a disease mm-hmm. um it it grows on the leaves it's kind of an orangey yellow color mm-hmm. and they they protrude over the leaf like a ripley effect it, it kind of looks almost like a caterpillar um when it's in just you know uh, um not in the cocoon but when it comes you know it, yeah. it it's kind of like spiky Hmm. So I, I don't know exactly what kind of disease this is. And, um, okay. okay. So you know what it sounds like? When, whenever a leaf gets, um, yeah, it's like a protuberance and it's yeah. orange. So it, yeah, it's like a... A growth. Um, yeah, like a sea urchin or something growing yeah. up on the leaf. That's actually a rust. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's a fungus uh-huh. that is causing that to happen. Now, earlier in the show, I was talking with um, a caller about using dormant, dormant. spray. Now, yeah. do you traditionally use the dormant spray on no, the pear? No, I don't. Okay, you should. Maybe that's what I should be doing. Two th- yeah, two things. One is use the dormant spray in the spring as per instructions uh-huh. and do any trimming that you're going to do early in the spring, not in the fall, oh. early in the spring on the on the pear tree as well. And you can even double spray, meaning you can dormant spray fruit trees in the spring and in the fall oh, once okay. they drop their leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's all designed to try and prevent problems. Okay. Okay. That, My husband wants to cut it down. <laughs> aw. Did you guys plant it or was it there when you moved in? Um, it's about 20 years old. Yeah. It's been there for a long time. It was there when we... Grew in. Oh, moved in. Yeah. Well, and they do get big. I mean, pear trees are a standard pear is a pretty big shade tree. Yeah. Some people love the idea of having the fruit that that, you know go out pick the fruit. Yeah. Uh, Some people say, oh, you know, they make such a mess on the lawn and you know attract all the wasps late in the season and all that kind of thing. So fruit trees have their pros and cons. Very nice, and if you have a big enough property where the fruit trees aren't too close to say the patio, and uh, you can still. You know, harvest without feeling that they're intruding on your well, ability I like to relax. It because of the shade, and I like mm-hmm. it because of the the spring. It blooms with all the flowers. It looks yeah. so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we try to keep it small. We don't yeah. really let it uh, over overpower or overgrow because yeah. our backyard is not very big. Right. So we try to keep it very um, contained. Okay. And I thought maybe we're cutting it too much. Well, I mean, all all fruit tree pruning should take place in the like late winter, early spring. Okay. Uh, 
prior to any, you know, blooms and buds and anything coming out. So that's a kind of a wintertime activity. Right. And uh, that's, don't hesitate that as a plant gets to that age, that sort of 20-year-old age, mm-hmm. think very seriously about spending a f- few dollars. It doesn't have to be thousands, mm-hmm. but spending a bit of money on a certified arborist, somebody who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. doing a proper pruning job. Mm-hmm. It's one thing for you to kind of work away at some of the, the tips and branches that are growing in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. but to really go to the proper framework and structure of the tree, right. that's where the expertise of an arborist can make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you want to have a long-term healthy tree, one that's strong and stable and, you know, doesn't... Fruit trees are often weak with all that heavy bearing of fruit. Right. Branches can break very easily. They yeah. can be one-sided. Well, you try not to leave <clears throat> too much of it on mm-hmm. there because you want fruit, but you don't want to, like you say, mm-hmm. overbear. That's right. You know? And they will. Sometimes trees will, you know, and then they'll drop as just part of the natural uh, process. But... Nope. Either way, yeah, like I say, don't don't hesitate to get out the, the dormant spray in the spring and the fall. Okay. Do whatever pruning you are going to do in late winter, early spring. Late winter, okay. Uh, so we're doing it a little too soon then. Yeah, don't fall prune, and yeah. uh, not fruit trees. And um, think about that arborist to come and you know, sort of do a proper stru- structural, uh, you know, they climb carefully, they do proper pruning, and uh, can really make a difference to the long-term uh, health of, a, of, of any tree. Okay, great. All right. Thank you very much. So we're not cutting it. We're saving it. Good, Good for idea. You. Good for you. <laughs> You've got us behind you on that. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Charlie, do we have time for one more call? I believe uh, Clifford from we, uh, Welland. We yeah. can go fast. Okay. It's all about fiddleheads. That, that kind of inter- caught my interest. Hi, uh, Clifford. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. First off, I'd like to thank you about the research for the stained glass. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I'd li- I like fiddleheads mm-hmm. in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if there was a way of planting them in a garden in a shady area and if there's a specific uh, species that I should look for, hmm. if I can find them. You know, it's a good question. I think that you, there, you can just about eat any, like ferns are, fiddle, like fiddleheads are just tiny baby ferns that are unfurling in the spring. Right. Leave this with me, but I think that any of the ferns that we grow in Ontario, like ostrich fern, for example, those are edible, as far as I know. But don't eat any until I check that out. (laughs) I won't. I I used to pick them in Quebec growing up, and they were always in the woods and shady areas. That's right. I got some shady spots, so I figured I'd throw them in and have a a treat every spring. That's right. And I think those ones that you were picking in the woods in Quebec are just the regular ostrich ferns that we're growing in our gardens. But I'm going to check that, and I'm going to report back next week after I report back to Erica about this growing seeds in jugs. Okay, great. Okay, thanks, okay. Clifford. Thank you. And by golly, look at that time it's rolling along. I'm just looking in the next room there, and I just want to say something here about the show that is to follow outside of the garden show. Yes. Right, for you just can't beat these guys for fun and information. I'm talking about Dave's Corner Garage. Oh, they're the frivolous and, ones. Well, we they are, are not frivolous. They no, no, are. they're they're totally frivolous. You're right. <laughs> Frivolity. But. <laughs> Frivolity reigns supreme. And Dave's giving me a weird look. May the bluebird of happiness plant a caraway seed in your ear. <laughs> okay. Gee whiz. And, and the you, Natural Health Show is coming up at 11, that's too. That's right. A little note about that. And then you are on after that. Yeah. Uh, they'll be back at noon with the diner, mm-hmm. where folks request the numbers. I play them. You do. Eh? And you are... Uh, Getting out of here. I'm right? off. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of places i got to go today, so I'm off to do that. But, I, so again, I just want to thank everybody, Frank, for your 
very frivolous sidekick <laughs> sous you. chef that you are. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take back the garden show one of these days from you, <laughs> bring a <laughs> bring a muzzle for you. And uh, thank happy you, birthday again, Dan, and happy birthday again. Uh, big 27, that Dan, he's but he's the he's the best operator. So thank he you for certainly the is. good produ- production operation that you do there. Thanks to all the great callers. Couldn't do the show without the great callers. And uh, the, keep those emails rolling in and I'll do my best to get to them. All right. And we'll see you. you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.